All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, I want to call this meeting of the Administra Administration, Investment, and Financial Management Board uh, to uh, open. Uh, Madam Secretary, will you please uh, start the roll call? Jason Bader. Here. Mr. Colville. Here. Ms. Don Holm. Here. Mr. Leon. Here. Hey, we can go to the consent calendar. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for joining. Um, the next item on the agenda is the consent calendar. We'll need a, a motion in a second for the consent calendar. For the record, I have no callers on the consent calendar. Oh, actually, Madam Secretary, do, do I? Uh, I do do that before. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, there's a consent calendar, so I automatically just thought we were going to do it afterwards. But we are focused, make so. a motion to move the calendar. Their consent calendar. Second. I can second that. Hey, um, Mr. Bader. Yes. Mr. Colville. Yes. Ms. Holm. Yes. Mr. Leon. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on to the discussion calendar, we are at item number five, uh, which is the uh, advisor's quarterly performance or uh, investment performance review. Uh, you have the floor. Hey. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see everyone again. Uh, hey, Craig. Happy Thanksgiving. Right. So, hey, do you all have my report up in front of you? Am I, should I be sharing my screen right now? Yeah, if you could share your screen, Craig, because I can't fit it on my everything on my one little laptop. It, it'd be good for all video to have the screen shared, Craig. Okay. Where's my full screen view? All right. Hopefully, you all can you all see this? Uh, not yet. I always forget Zoom is different from Teams. I'm sorry. On Teams, you just click and it shows up. In Zoom, you've got to do a double click. I apologize. I should be I should be an expert at this by now. Um, so th this uh, review takes a quick look at what what the markets did in the third quarter. Uh, you know, we certainly met not too long ago, so you know I'd, I'd caught you up, you know, on what was going on, you know, in the world at that stage. Um, you see here, the third quarter ended as a really good quarter for both equity and fixed income markets. Um, you know, the markets seemed to overlook any type of COVID news uh, during the period. Uh, for the most part, any type of election disruption or anything like that um, appeared to be kind of, you know, relatively small demands. Uh, so you see here, uh, you know, U.S. equities up another 9.2% for the quarter. 15% uh, over that one-year period. Uh, but you do see, you know, pretty sharp divergence between what is happening here in the U.S. versus globally. Um, you know, you see those international equity markets down significantly lower uh, than domestic equity. Uh, so up only half a percent over that one year. Emerging market equity is up about 10.5%. Uh, you know, bonds have continued to do relatively well given Fed actions. Um, 
you know, so that's certainly been a positive for the portfolio as a whole when we do look through the 930 results in just a couple of minutes. Um, I'm going to go down a couple pages because it has remained a pretty stark divergence between growth and value. So when we're looking here, you know, I want to focus on the year to date numbers. You see here the Russell 1000 growth up 24% year to date. The Russell 1000 value down 11.5%. That's really the divergence, kind of the tale of two stories. Tech has continued to do very, very well. Large tech names have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, played an ever-increasing role um, in the, their influence on the indices, whereas value-oriented companies, things that are in you know, financials, energy, utilities, um, have been hit pretty hard uh, you know, by what's happening, you know, not only here in the U.S., but also globally. You know, I think as you look down here, you also do see a pretty strong divergence between what's happened on the large cap versus the small cap side. You know, for your portfolio, it's predominantly the large cap allocation. Um, it really is all large cap allocation, um, but it's an interesting you know, disparity where large cap, mega cap names have so dramatically outperformed everything else. And then you also see here, you know, as we get down, um, you know, the challenges that we've had globally, um, a much stronger stock market recovery in the U.S. than we've seen really around the world. Um, you know, this looks at things through the end of September. Um, you know, truthfully, October was a pretty tough month for the markets as we started to see uh, COVID cases climb. There continued to be, there was less certainty uh, about the possibility of a vaccine. And then certainly election concerns started to play into that somewhat. So we did see markets down broadly. Um, in the month of October, November's come roaring back. Um, I think the most shocking thing to me, and I was chatting with Stacy a little bit about this, was the week of the election uh, when we, we all woke up Wednesday morning and it wasn't clear um, you know, who the next president of the United States would be. The market was up several hundred points that day. That week, the market ended up 6%. Despite all that uncertainty, all that craziness, all the, you know, the rhetoric from both sides, the market was up 6%. Uh, so November has actually been a pretty good uh, return for, um, for the markets. Probably, I believe it's actually recaptured, if not all of October's losses, plus, um, plus adding a little bit on top of that. Now, as I mentioned, and as you look here, you know, fixed income continues to do well. Uh, given the fact, given Fed actions um, on the quantitative easing side, uh, all I would say non-government backed debt has continued to outperform uh, government backed debt, which is really you know, no surprise. People go to you know, generally lower yielding, safer bonds when they're nervous. When they feel like there's going to be liquidity and there's opportunity, they go into you know, riskier things, asset backed, mortgage backed, uh, corporate credit and things like that. And so we've seen that continue for the most part. I didn't want to go down here, sorry, just to take a look at the yield curve to kind of you know, look through some of the challenges that we have. And I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but this top line right here takes a look at where rates were at the end of September in 2019. These two lines that are basically on top of each other look at where rates were at the end of June, at the end of September. So what this generally predicts is what future earnings look like. 
Um, you know, so certainly when you're in an environment where 30-year treasuries are looking at one and a half percent, it makes you know building on future returns potentially challenging. I would say central bank the central bank here has been pretty explicit that rates are going to be at this point, so probably sometime in 2023, if not after. Um, and other central banks have really signaled their support of the lower rate environment uh, for, for the foreseeable future as well. Um, things like that gen- tend to be positives for markets. Um, you know, certainly, you know, we've talked about this a couple times this year, but the, co- the whole, the, the COVID and the, the implications of COVID-19, increasing cases, um, new government shutdowns um, are kind of an unknown. Uh, you know, we've seen states re- very recently start to implement new uh, restrictions. Um, I believe you all might have some new restrictions. I think restaurants are no longer able to serve inside, just outside only. I know Oregon has shut down. Um, a lot of school districts here, we've gone full remote. Now, whereas, you know, my kindergartner was in school, now she's home running around being crazy. Uh, so, you know, that's certainly kind of an unknown where things stand now. Uh, the markets reacted pretty favorably to the vaccine news from both Pfizer and Moderna. So, um, you know, but you did see it cool off as there continue to be uh, transition questions on the presidential front. So that certainly plays a role in things. Um, you know, Vice, former Vice President Biden has, you know, been pretty clear recently that the delayed transition will very likely impact distribution of the vaccine. And I think, you know, over the last couple of days, you've seen the market react pretty negatively to that uh, you know, not continuing to go up and being relatively flat to slightly negative. So, um, you know, certainly some positives out there, um, you know, in terms of the stimulus that's in place, but, you know, some potential headwinds as well. So I'll stop there. Uh, Happy to take any questions before moving on to results. Uh, Members of the committee, any questions for Craig so far? All right, Craig, sounds like you keep going. Okay, so so through so September uh, we ended the quarter at about two hundred seventy four point seven million in assets. Uh, you, know, you can see how that contrasts to where we sat at the end of June, about a uh, little under nine million dollars um, of gain. Uh, like I said, you know it was a good quarter. Markets performed well. Uh, you can see here on this page the target out al- the actual allocation versus targets. Uh, you can see things you know, in line for the most part. Um, you know, because of the dramatic outperformance that we've seen in large cap growth, really relative to everything else, you see a slight overweight to there, um, underweight to the fixed income target. Uh, everything is still you know within policy ranges. I believe Stacy has some more comments in terms of how she's been raising and moving money to fund uh, to fund benefits, which I believe she'll talk about in a minute. So, what everybody really wants to know is what do the numbers look like? So, the numbers look like you returned just under six percent for the recent quarter, um, which is a pretty strong absolute return. You can see it's perform- outperforming for the quarter, uh, both the um, actuarial assumption, as well as the custom target index. Uh, you know, this was the first quarter after your fiscal year, so it's a great start to the year. Um, you know, if everything stayed status quo, we moved everything to cash right now, you'd be almost all the way uh, 
almost all the way there. So um, you can see here, you know, certainly strong results over time. We do you know, point this out all the time when we're looking over time, the portfolio um, you know, has generally outperformed the assumed rate of return. When you look down through the individual segments, so you know, the large cap growth, uh, large value, international fixed income, um, you know, they are all outperforming their respective benchmarks when we do look at that, which is always good to see. Um, what was I gonna point out? Oh, cash flow. Um, as you know, as I noted, I think you know, Stacey might have some you know, more in-depth comments on this, but you can see, um, you know, certainly transferring money out of that large-cap growth portfolio as it's continued to grow. So its weight does not exert too much overall influence on the portfolio. Uh, you can see total plan cash flow for the recent quarter of negative six and a half million. So um, you know, all that going to fund benefit payments. Uh, kind of the last point that I wanted to make was on, on this page. Um, and this is pretty interesting and I'll, I'll, I'll be candid. I'll credit, I'll credit Stacy for, for pointing this out and, you know, having the discussion with me, with me the other day on it. But, you know, when you look at that black line that measures tracking error, so, which is essentially the standard deviation of excess or, even negative returns relative to the benchmark. And what you see is, you know, when we're looking, you know, here over the last really you know, five to six years, tracking error has been relatively consistent, relatively low. Uh, what you see recently is that's ticked up significantly. Um, you know, I think that it, a lot of that has to do with some of the variability we've seen in the market and, you know, truthfully, the success of how well your portfolios have done relative to the benchmarks on the total fund side. So I'll stop there. Um, happy to take any questions. Sorry, can you explain the black line again? I didn't, what do you mean by tracking error? What is that? So, so tracking error really takes a look at the volatility of returns relative to the index. So it, it looks, it, it the measures a standard deviation of excess returns. So if you if, if you outperform or underperform, it takes that into account and rolls out a number. So um, it. it's really essentially a risk-adjusted return metric. Thank you. Any other members of the committee's uh, committee have questions? No, that was a good report, Craig. Thank you. And. Uh, I think maybe I'm looking at the recommendation here. Okay, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll need a motion, but first, it's my understanding that there are no public comments uh, for this item. Correct, Madam Secretary. That is correct. Okay, uh, and so we'll need a we'll need a to approve this. We'll need a motion to approve this item. Manny, I'll Mike. make a motion to approve, please. I'll second. Okay, okay Mr. Bader. Yes. Mr. Colville. Yes. Ms. Holm? Yes. Mr. Leon? Yes. All right. Uh, that, me that measure passes. Craig, thank you very much. Uh, we're on to item number six, and this is all Stacy, from what I can see. Hi, thanks guys. Um, I am just gonna actually piggyback on some of the things Craig said, and I do not have the ability to screen share because I'm working off two different screens. 
Um, so if you do have the report, um, and you can go to page 26. Um, Craig went through those returns, and as he mentioned, uh, the first quarter of our fiscal year was pretty phenomenal. Um, I will say what he pointed out about the growth and value disconnect seems to have reversed since the election. And for the last uh, five to seven business days, growth uh, growth has been underperforming value. So that's something we really haven't seen in quite a while. So it's really going to be interesting to see if that continues to play out. Um, we're dealing with the uncertainty of the election right now. The two vaccines do seem to be on track to get the emergency use authorization. So as a lot of the volatility has come out of the market and a lot of the uncertainties, value does seem to be something people are going towards right now. So we'll see if that stays the same or if that reverses. Again, that's a, probably a one to two week trend. So we'll see how that holds up over time. Um, Craig also mentioned on page 28, the large amount of transfers that came out, especially at a large cap. As the equity markets came roaring back, we were active sellers of some of those names that really got a little too big for the portfolio. By selling off into the gains, we're able to fund the pre-fund the operating account. And right now we don't have any operating requirements until calendar year 2021. So with that being right around the corner, I'll be looking at that very soon, but it allows us to be proactive and always keep an eye to make sure that we're within the 5% ranges for the asset allocation which will also be coming up in the spring and we'll talk about once again. So moving on, um, if you are following along on page 50, Craig talked a lot, well, he talked a little bit about the rolling tracking error. And I think what's really interesting is that was the total plan he showed you. But if you look at 50, it shows the large crap growth fund. And if you compare where that black dotted line is now over where it was from 7 to 010 for the recession, you can really see that at the time the portfolio had a lot of risky names in it. And as such, the tracking error was pretty high. Um, over the last three to five years, we've really concentrated on making sure the large cap portfolio really had large cap names in it, more suitable names in it. So therefore, our returns shouldn't vary too greatly from the index returns that we're benchmarks against. And that's because we've brought the risk down in the portfolio over the last couple of years. And last, my favorite, which I talk about every single time, is fixed income. Um, fixed income has had great returns for the last couple of years. I don't expect that to continue in the sense that we're so close to the bottom now. Craig showed you the year-over-year -year change on the Treasury curve, and there's just really not much lower we can go at this point. So what I would expect going forward, if we do get the vaccines, if we see light at the end of the tunnel and economic recovery, if interest rates do start to marginally creep up, I wouldn't expect great outperformance on the fixed income side. I will also note though that the Fed has committed to keeping interest rates low. So although they may tick up slightly, I don't think we're gonna be seeing really high interest rates anytime soon. And we've got a 10 year that has made a couple runs towards 1%, but is sitting firmly below 90 basis points right now. So our, uh, bench our benchmark right now is an average maturity and a duration that's about 200 to 300 basis points shorter than ours. And that has actually come in. We've had a few long dated uh, bonds get called and redeploying them, as I say, every time is very difficult in this interest rate environment. And we can't simply just use it for operating because fixed income is constantly trying to just stay at its current allocation. 
So going forward, it's going to continue to be a challenge, but fixed income probably won't have the best returns in the next one to two years, but it will continue to do its job and, and generate a lot of income for the portfolio. So that's all I have right now. Any questions? Stacey, do you have any idea where the portfolio is as of yesterday or yesterday's close? Uh, from a dollar amount, I do not. Um, but no, for, a pers- for a return year to, uh, oh, fiscal yeah. year to day. Yes, I do, actually. Hold on one second. Of course you do. I don't ask questions <laughs> I don't know answers to. Well, I can tell you what each of the sub-portfolios are. So just through yesterday, the large cap portfolio was up 17% fiscal year to date. So 17% since July 1. And across the board, equity income up 15%. International up 16%. So seems to have given up where uh, it was always underperforming. It's, it's right in line now with large cap and equity income. And fiscal year to date on fixed income, the portfolio is at 1%. So, so you can 70, actually- So 70% of our assets are about 15% up and yes, 30% yes. are up about 1%. So. Right. And if you look at Craig's report through September 30th, fixed income was up 1.5%. So you can see that's coming, which we would expect. But equities across the world seem to be just really- pedal to the metal right now doesn't seem to be any end in sight even with all the uncertainty with the vaccine and the election i would expect if we get some clarity on one or both of those we don't have any immediate roadblocks um, barring more inauguration stress so for the next one to two months there don't seem to be any unknowns in the market right now and i hesitate to say that because usually the minute you say that something pops Mm -hmm. up but we seem to have cleared a lot of hurdles in the last four to six weeks so are you staying pretty equal weight in the portfolio or are you going to overweight certain sectors? Um, right now, it's actually going to be something we're going to have to look at because of that rotation that's happening back to value. Um, the industrials and equity income, which was really always a lagger, is is really hanging in with large cap right now. So we, we may want to allocate more towards things like industrials. Um, when Trump took office, it was always promised that we were going to have a huge uh, investment in industrials. And so we really overweighted that, that never materialized. They continue to pay good dividends and and they've done okay, but it really remains to be seen right now in the next week or two, if the value to growth reverses or not, and what the administration come, if the new administration comes out and says its priorities will be. So that will kind of tilt which direction we're going to go for what their priorities are. Great. I wish I could take credit for the outstanding work you guys are doing, but you you and the team are doing a great job. Thank you. I will take credit for it. But. Okay, please do. <laughs> Thanks, Stace. You're welcome. Uh, do any other uh, committee members have any questions? All right. Well, uh, Stacey, I'd like to commend you on that Christmas tree I see in the right thing. I did Christmas come early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and my apologies, uh, Madam Clerk. I said Madam Secretary last round. It's my understanding there are no calls for this item, correct? That's correct. There are no callers on item six. Okay. Uh, with that, we'll need a motion and a second uh, uh, to pass this uh, item. Make a motion to move the item. Second. Madam Secretary. Mr. Bader. Yes. Mr. Colville. Yes. Ms. Holm. Yes. Mr. Leon. Yes. All right, that measure passes. Uh, we are on to measure or item number seven, I should say. Uh, and Mary Beth, 
the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, happy to be back here. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time to start everything off that I feel like we're talking about old news, old bad news, because everything we've done is as of June 30th, and particularly the assets have really turned around since then. Um, so you're going to have to go back in time, but at least you'll know the next three months of the story, which are good news. Um, I am going to share my screen and hopefully show you some reports really quickly. Um, so I'm going to start with the GASB 68 report. Um, there is not a lot to say about this one. This is for your financial reporting purposes. Um, so yeah, it is a big deal. Um, but we're going to talk about the reasons behind it when we cover the funding report. So I'll just tell you really quickly um, and remind everybody that we actually do all of these numbers as of June 30th, 2020. So we're not following CalPERS's one-year lag um, situation. These are all current numbers. Um, and as of June 30th, 2020, uh, you're reporting a net pension liability of $33.5 million. Remembering again that the fiduciary net position is measured as of market value on June 30th. So that really was, wasn't the lowest point of the year, but, but it is certainly not as good as it was now. And at that point, the funded status of the plan that you would show for financial statement purposes was just under 89%. Um, and if everyone is okay with that, what I'd like to do is um, not to really say any more about the accounting numbers and go and switch over and talk about the funding report. Sounds good. I'm going to take that as a yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so hopefully my screen switched. And what I'm going to show you are um, what we call a dashboard. Usually we hand this out in person at the meeting and it's just a, a little two-page summary of everything in the valuation with a lot of pretty pictures. Um, so I'm gonna go over that really quickly. We can go look in the full report if there's questions, but there's, I think everything's pretty much captured here. So I'll start with the funded status of the plan. This report has last year on the left and June 30th, 2020 on the right. Um, the accrued liability, so the value of people's benefits has dropped from 313 million last year to 297 million this year. And that decrease is really to be expected where it's something we're gonna see going forward. Um, we have no new people coming into the plan. Um, and so, you know, as retirees are paid out, the value of the benefits owed to them in the future is just going to keep declining. The um, value of assets on a smooth basis also declined from 277 million to 267 million. Again, that's because we're paying out benefits and the value of assets are de is declining. Um, and the unfunded liability actually went from 35 million down to 30 million and the funded ratio went up a little bit. Um, so why did it go up? I just told you it went down for, for accounting purposes. And that's because here we're using a smooth value of assets. We're smoothing over a three-year period. And the intent is to kind of um, not let very short-term blips in the asset values impact your contributions more than they should. So um, June 30th was um, not a particularly good day to measure the assets. It's not as bad as March 31st would have been, um, but because of that sort of smoothed out in the um, 
smooth value of acids, the actuarial value of acids helps keeps everything a little more stable. Um, so just to kind of highlight that, if we go down um, to the bottom section here on investment earnings, the market return for the 12 months was 2.8%, but based on the smooth value that we're using for contributions, we measured 5.8%. So quite a bit better return. It smooths things out. We'll see a picture of it in a minute. In a minute. The important thing to note is that if 2021 ends up being a great year, we're gonna be smoothing that one too and you won't get the whole good side just like you're not getting the whole downside. Okay. Um, the next thing just really briefly is we have a split of the actual, the numbers between actives and retirees. We're down to five active members. Um, almost everybody's retired. So we have very little active liability. Almost everybody's retired. Um, I'm going to go look at, let's go look at some pictures. The first picture, the, the point of these pictures is really to give you a little more long-term perspective um, on how the plan is doing rather than focusing just on the change from this year to last year. And I think that highlights a lot of trends and also can show you if there's things you need to worry about um, while not letting you overly focus on short-term things that are, are not going to be a problem in the long run. So the upper left-hand picture here is showing the member counts. Um, you can almost see that on the top of each of the green bars, there's a little blue bar and a little bit of a purple section. Those are the active employees. And the total headcount of people in the plan has dropped over time to the extent that they're almost all retired now, hardly any active employees. You really can't see that blue bar anymore. Um, and the red line is marking payroll again, since we have no active employees, there's no payroll. Um, if we look at the number of retirees a little more closely, um, you can see again, they've been dropping over time. The red line is marking the average age of the group, which goes up a little bit every year. And your average retiree is now 79 years old, um, which is quite old. But um, the way the actuaries look at it is once you've survived to 79, you've got a pretty darn good chance of living till 80 and 81 and 82 and 83. And it's, it's not like we expect them all to be gone tomorrow. They're still gonna be around for quite a while. Um, the graph on the lower left, in fact, shows, um, looks like the green mountain, shows the projected amount of benefit payments going forward. And you can see we are on the downward slope. We're paying lesser and I'm going to say the word wrong. We're playing a lower amount of benefit payments every year, but really we're projecting that the plan's still going to be around into the 2060s and still making benefit payments. And the final chart um, on the right, lower right, switches gears a little bit, looks at the rate of investment return um, over time back to the early 2000s. The purple line measures the year-by-year -year annual returns. You know, as expected, it goes up and down a lot. You can see 2008 here, terrible year, um, a lot of volatility in between. And the um, June 30th, 2020 dot is on the far right at 2.8%. The pink line is measuring the rate of return on the smooth basis that we're using. I talked a lot about it before. The intent is to smooth out returns and give you a little bit more stable contribution. And you can see that in fact, the returns on that smooth basis are smoother, which is wonderful. And as Craig pointed out, 
most years that smooth return is above the green line. The green line is tracking the discount rate for the year. And so we really, we really love to see um, the rate of return on the smooth basis being above the discount rate. Okay, moving on to the next page. Um, a little more detail on the plan assets. The assets themselves on the smooth and the actual market value basis are shown on the upper left-hand um, chart. You can see they're very, very similar. The smooth basis is slightly above the market value basis this year. Um, upper right chart shows the liabilities against the assets. Um, and what's really nice to, to see is that even though both the liabilities and the assets are dropping in these past few years because the plan is sort of in wind down mode, they're, um, they're are getting, they are getting a little bit closer together. The unfunded liability is dropping. So all these are good trends. We expect the liability to be dropping slowly. We expect the assets to be dropping slowly. Um, you are making progress against the unfunded liability. So all these things are really good. I think, you know, in general, I think the message is there's really nothing to be worried about. Things are going okay. Um, we see the same thing um, in the lower left showing historic funded ratios. Um, they started, as typical for most plans, especially in California, it's the plan started very well funded in the early 1900s, sorry, early 2000s, 1999. Um, we had some very bad years like 2008 and nine where we lost a lot of assets. So the funded status dropped, but it's been very, very slowly recovering. And we're now, you know, pushing 90% funded, which is really what you would like a pension plan to do. We'd like it to be a hundred, but we are making progress towards that. Um, the final chart on the lower right shows the historical contributions for the plan. You can see that there was a long period of no contributions because the plan was very well funded. Um, then we came to, again, 08 and 09, the contribution rate went up um, very high and it's been slowly falling since then. Again, nice to know the recommended contribution for the year is 3.47 million, down a little bit from last year. And we project that in the next few years, the contributions will continue to decline. I'm going to go back because I skipped one thing on the first slide that I did want to talk about. Actually, two things I didn't talk about here. Um, one is, again, the estimated or recommended contribution for the year. For 21-22, we're recommending $3.479 million. It's a tiny bit up from what we recommended last year because the assets underperformed just a little bit. Um, but overall, each year in the future, we see that, that recommended contribution dropping. And the one last thing I should tell you is uh, why did the liabilities go down? Why did the unfunded go down a little more than expected? And the main reason there is what we call demographic experience. So we had um, a few more deaths among retirees and among retiree beneficiaries than we would have expected. Um, not, not lots and lots, but just, you know, some years are, are depending on how you look at it, better or worse than the actuaries expect. And this past year, we did see a few more deaths. That's really the highlights of our valuation. Are there questions or anything else you'd like me to talk in more detail on? Any members have any questions? No. Um, no, thanks. Great job, Mary Beth. Thank you. All right. 
Um, well, if there are no questions, it's, uh, I think my understanding is there are no calls for this item, Madam uh, Clerk. That's correct. We have no calls on this item. All right. Uh, thank you again, uh, Mary Beth. Uh, we'll need a motion in a second on this one. I think I can motion. Oh. Can I motion? Or I can second, whatever. I'll, I'll... Dibs. <laughs> you can motion and I'll second if you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Madam Secretary. Mr. Bayer. Yes. Mr. Colville. Yes. Ms. Holm. Yes. Mr. Leon. Yes. Uh, as, that, as that item uh, moves, I think we're at item number eight now. Uh, and I think, Mary Beth, you're still yeah, off, I right? Think I, I did both of them together when you guys weren't looking. So. There you go. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> so, Efficiency and, out of work. Uh, so two things. One, uh, any questions by the, the members? No. Okay. Madam Clerk, do we have any calls on this item? I have no callers on this item. All right, then we'll need a motion in a second. I'll motion. I'll second. Madam Secretary? Mr. Bader? Yes. Mr. Colva? Yes. Ms. Holm? Yes. Mr. Leon? Yes. Um, as that motion uh, carries and moves, all, for all those presenting um, and on uh, this Zoom call, thank you for all the work that you've done um, for these items. It's much appreciated. Uh, we're on to item number nine. I'm looking at the agenda, and it's the calendar, if I'm correct. Madam Secretary, is that is that uh, correct? Yes, sir. It's the calendar. All right. If there's not any questions, we'll need a, a motion and a second for that. I'll make a motion to approve the calendar. I'll second that. Okay, Mr. Bader. Yes. And for the record, no callers on that item either. Ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I know I was going to miss one. Mr. Colville. Yes. Ms. Holm. Yes. Mr. Leon. Yes. And you're though you've got to present the next item. Okay. Um, item ten, which is the selection of the chair and vice chair. Uh, let it be known, I served as chair for the last. I don't know how many years, <laughs> but I also think this is uh, my last year, if I'm correct, it's coming up. It is. I think so. Are um, you termed out, Manny? I, I think yeah. so. I think so. Oh, yeah. man. You, you have know, one more year? Can yeah. I get termed out? You have one more year, or this is your last year? This upcoming year is my last year. If I'm oh, then we should just you let you stay chair. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we nominate Manny. You're doing a great job of it. <laughs> I I'll move that. that. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but, we, but we will need a vice chair. <laughs> Isn't that Jason right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm okay. I'm broke. Don't fix it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, if that's the case, I think we need. Uh, do we need? Uh, we need a motion. Okay. Uh, first, though. Is, are there any callers on this? Hopefully, there's callers on this. Don't, don't, there don't, no don't revoke our officership. <laughs> <laughs> I make a motion that Manny's the, the chair and Jason's the vice chair. Don, would you and second, I'll second it? Wow. <laughs> there we Mr. go. Vader, do you accept? <laughs> I do. Thank you. Yes. Mr. Colville. Good resume material. Mr. Colville. Yes. Okay. Ms. Holm. Yes. 
Mr. Leon, do you accept? I do accept. All right, we're good. Uh, all right, well, thank you. And I, uh, one more year. Do you have public Man. comment? Yes, do we have any public comments, uh, Madam Clerk? I have no public comment for matters not on the agenda. Okay. And do you um, have any member Mindy's comment? all business. Thanks, Mindy. Thanks, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, too. Uh, both uh, Madam Clerk, Madam Secretary, really quick, you know, it's November. All I want to say is happy holidays and, you know, stay, stay safe out there. Uh, any other members have comments? Nope. Happy exactly holidays agree. as well. Take care of yourself, Manny. All right, thank you. You all too, as well. Please take care. Uh, and I'll everybody. see you at some point in life. But... <laughs> <laughs> Next year. All right. Happy yeah, holidays. Thank you. We'll call this meeting to adjourn. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. man.